Abba Yahweh, the truth, knowledge and wisdom that you shared for me to share with others, Father. For they that have an ear to let them hear your word. Abba Yahweh, Aman, Yeshua, Aman, Barakutos, Aman. So as in the rule of faith, I'm going to backtrack. I'm going to head into the Old Testament. And we're going to revisit a man, a great prophet that was in the father's business, prophet Elijah. But something that we notice or some may not readily witness or understand That even a powerful man of God, Elijah fell into temptation. And I believe his mental capacity came under attack, which is the favorite target of the enemy. I told you that. And I say that because when Elijah was making a run... Because he believed, he believed that Jezebel was going to come and kill him. She sent a messenger and took a message and to tell him that I'm going to do to you what you did to my, to my counselors and to my men who were dealing with the word and and uh, teaching the, the vile doctrine that they were teaching. She told him, she said, I'm coming for you and I'm going to do to you what you and yours did to them. So he took off running. And there were two reasons as, as you read the word that, that Elijah believed First, the message that she sent to him. And second, that he was alone, that there were none going to stand with him. That he was the only one left in all of Israel because they had fallen to the false doctrine and teachings and they were worshiping the idols. And this is where we see that Elijah has run to the cave and is hiding in the cave. And the, the word of the Lord came to him, unspoke to him and said, Elijah, why are you here? Why are you in this cave? His response was that I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with a sword. And I am even, I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. The Lord is giving us a lesson in the lesson that he took Elijah, and he told Elijah to go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. 
while he was up there on the mountain, a great and strong wind came and, and broke the rocks, and sent the rocks down. Broke the pieces off. But the Lord was not there. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not there. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle, went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And there came a voice. What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I even, I only am left. They seek my life to take it away. The Lord said to him, go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Hazel to be king over Assyria, and Jehu the son of Nim, shalt thou anoint to the king over Israel. And he sent them out to do his bidding and his way. And, it, and the thing of it is that you have to understand, this is not, I'm certain it was not comparable for I am. But here, if we, we're going to skip over a couple verses here, we're going to go down to verse 18. And in the midst of all of his doubt, in the midst of his fear, and still following what the Lord told him to do, sending him out. Yet have I left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth for which hath not kissed him. This is right before he passed his mantle to Elisha. So in his mind's eye, Elijah saw himself alone. And that was fed to him, his emptiness, his fear, and his doubts, that we all do the same thing today. There is nothing different than what we do today. promoted much more so by the minions of the enemy and his taunting and jeering because he loves that. Remember that Satan loves fear. He loves us to be fearful. He desires us to run the opposite direction of where we should be going. And when you're fearful, you tend to, I'm certain that there are many have heard this terminology before, run amok. What my uh, 
Well, my grandparents used to say, and my mother and father had used this term before because they were, they were country folk and they had, they raised farm animals and they knew about farm animals. And the saying is, uh, is a very strong base. You, you may have heard the term running around like a chicken with his head cut off. So when, and this is truthful, um, when they get ready to butcher a chicken and they're going to take it and they're going to put it in a pot and cook it and prepare it for a meal, um, when they initially cut the head off and they don't hold on to it, well, it, the body is still alive and it runs around doesn't have any direction and can't see anything and just bounds around. Hence the term. You're running around like a chicken with its head cut off and this is what you do when you become fearful. You allow your energy to overflow and carry you in directions that it should not carry you and you have no direction. You're just basically running hither and thither and bounding into things that you shouldn't be doing. Satan loves that. He loves it when you have no guidance. He loves it when you're running around in, in endless circles and you don't know anything. And this is a very important thing that we hear this and that we can find this in 1 Corinthians 10. And 13, I find it very profound that we were just reading about Elijah prior to his passing his mantle to Elisha. And pretty much what was Elijah doing? He was doing pretty much the same thing. He was running around. He wasn't sure what to do, what to go, where to go, what. And he was running and he ran to the mountain and the angel was kind of giving him a direction and said, get up there to God's mountain. And he went and he hid himself in a cave because he believed that there was none left but him. He was the only believer, except that the Lord revealed to him that there were 7,000 that still believed and did not kneel. <laughs> Pardon me. <coughs> Pardon me that did not kneel to the false idol, that false God. And they didn't respond because they stayed true to the word of the Lord. But we need to remember this. Paul writes about this to the church in Corinth 10 and 13. Verse 12, wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Uh, what's Paul mean by that? If you think you're standing on your own, be cautious so you don't fall. There hath no temptation 
taken you, but such as is common to man. The things that are happening are not uncommon. But where your mindset is and the direction that you go is the difference. Do you travel in faith and you run to your strong tower, the Lord thy God, thy shield, thy banner, or do you just run amok and think that you're all on your own? Let me read that again, verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Paul is reminding us that God is with us in all things, always. And when the devil tries to get us to believe that we're on our own because of things that are going on, And he's trying to get us to believe that God's not going to hear us when we pray to him this time. Except that God showed John in the book of Revelation through a vision. That he savors the prayers of the saints. He saves the prayers of the saints in golden vials. And he saves them on the shelves in his temple. They're a sweet savor to his nostril. He loves our prayers. We are reaching to him. We are communing with him. God loves our prayers. And I love the analogy that my um, my mentor is sharing here in the reading. Um, <clears throat> he's sharing... How, when you get on, if any of you have traveled on an airplane, some may not have, many may have, and I don't know if they still do it now. I haven't been on an aircraft in a very long time. Goodness gracious, I think the last time that I was on an airplane was, wow, long, long, long time ago. At any rate, they have a pre-flight safety instruction and is usually given by the head flight attendant or the one who's familiar that they have do it. Teaches you how to buckle and unbuckle your safety belt. Teaches you that your seat cushion can be used as a flotation device in case the airplane has to ditch in the water. And all these safety tips are important for your safety and for possibility of your life. And they show you where the emergency exits are and show you how to get out. And gladly that 
most instances, these things are never needed. But sadly, some are. And sadly, too, is that you have many people that aren't even paying attention to this instruction. And when it comes time, they're the ones that panic the worst. They're like that chicken with its head cut off. They're just running amok. They're running into people. They're grabbing people and trying to throw them out of the way instead of remaining calm and following the instructions that were given, clearly given and instructed. And some of you might think, well, what's your point in that? Well, the importance of that is that you have instruction that is given to us in 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 13. And I just shared part of that with you. And Paul explains this is this is much like that safety instruction that he's giving. He says, "Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat." Paul is trying to explain, as in the later verses, that it was the same for everyone, that you're not somebody special, that your temptations and the things that are happening in your life are not anything special, but you think that they're special and you are allowing them to take precedent over the safety instruction that was given. You're not even remembering. And what are we told? In the book of Psalms, the Psalms of David, his poems and songs to the God, to God, our Father and Sovereign. We will oftentimes run the opposite direction in that we should be traveling. We should be running to our strong tower. And we have a tendency to run from our strong tower. We run opposite direction and we believe the white noise interference of the devil. When his minions come and they throw this out there, God doesn't want to hear from you. Look what you did. Look what you've done. He doesn't want to hear you. You succumb to that temptation and now you think that God's going to listen to you. Yes, I believe that God will listen because God promises he will not turn his back. And he will provide. He is always for us. We are given clear instructions on how to escape the spiritual danger. Some of us step into it and go down that dark path a little bit farther than should. But there is an escape. There is an escape. God promises an outlet. Satan wants you to believe there isn't one. 
He wants you to believe that once you step, that's it. You're going to keep going. No, you don't have to. And do not believe what the dark one tells you. He's going to convince you that you should not pray, that you should not stay in the word. And, and he's saying, if I fell prey to that, I wouldn't be doing my father's business. God will hear. He savors the sweetness of prayer. He does forgive. Unlike Satan, who points his finger in blame, condemnation, judgment. Oh, there will be judgment. But God's not going to turn you away. He will forgive. And the only judgment is if you refuse to repent. And you keep running away from God. But see, that's a decision that you have to make, a choice that you make. It's just like when, uh, in John 3, 16, if you choose to believe that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God, then you have salvation. You will be redeemed. And he came for us. So if you believe that, And if you choose not to believe it, then you condemn yourself. And just like the, the words are in the Bible. If you choose not to believe, then you're condemned. And you condemn yourself. It isn't that God is standing up there and saying, you didn't believe and he's pointing your finger and then he points over to the big opening in the ground that goes down to shale, hell. It didn't happen that way. The walk to the pit is your own. He didn't push you down there to say you're going. What he tells us is that we have a choice to make. And the choice is ours. We either go or we don't. And just like Paul is talking, this is, this is what hinders us most of the time is our thoughts, our mindset. This is why our mind, it's important that we keep on the helmet of salvation. It protects that. And Satan loves to pour off the white noise interference to keep us away from that. <clears throat> Wherefore, let him that thinketh he stand, take heed, lest he fall. If you're thinking you're on your own and you think that it's so deep and you think that it's this or that and the other thing and it's contrary to what the Bible tells you, it's much easier for you to fall and go away from your protection, the love of God, and you walk away. And his closing statement, I, I like this and it's important and I have, to, I have to work on this more and more and more every day because it is so important. And remember, I have this little floating mirror in front of me that I'm looking at myself as I'm speaking and sharing to you. This is not just me telling you 
This is me speaking to us. And every pastor and any pastor that is worth being called salt of the earth and the salt that the Lord has blessed must speak into the mirror. Because if they do not speak into the mirror and they speak only in an instructional manner, it's much like the drill instructors were in the Marine Corps. You do as I say, not as I do. You do what I tell you to do. Wow. That's actually pretty pathetic in reality. So they're doing the right thing, but they don't want you to do how they do it. And it might be a little, little bit crosswise of what the instruction issues but they want you to do it how they tell you to do it. So set that analogy aside. That mirror is an important thing. And that little floating mirror that I have in front of me, I'm talking to myself as well as I'm sharing this word with all of you out there. And any pastor, any speaker, any teacher worth their salt must do the same. And if they don't, and you find that they're contrary in their doctrine and their teaching and they're not following the word of God, flee from them. Flee from them and that place. Pray the Holy Spirit to take hold and guide because they are entrapping Many. It must be according to the word of God, according to his way, and only his way. And God provides the escape. We have an escape. We are provided that escape. And that is the Holy Spirit. And remember this. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Very important passage. And that's not the only place it is, but I like the way it speaks there. Mostly. It's very prominent. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones you will grow stronger. And know this too. Remember, this is very important. And I used to be kind of griping and moaning like, oh, man, I don't want to have to go through this. Why am I going through this? Why am I going through that? But it's strength. God is with us all the time. He promises never to leave us. And I remember earthly examples. My earthly father used to tell us that, tell us these things that this is going to make you stronger. You might not like what's happening, but it's to teach you and to strengthen you. 
and it will. And certain things that our Father allows us to go through are to strengthen us. They are to fortify our faith. He is going to show you. It's going to be a three-dimensional, massive illustration for you. I am with you whithersoever thou goest. I will not leave you nor forsake you. I will stand with you. I will be with you. I am your Lord thy God. Don't forget, brothers and sisters, Hashem. Lord thy God promises these things. And remember, there's a very profound difference between leaving and forsaking. I've, I've shared this with you before. You might go into a mall and your person and the person that you're with or traveling with, friend, what have you, they they separate from you. It's inadvertent. Maybe they saw something on sale that you didn't see and they and you look around and they're gone. And then you see them again, you come back together and it's like, oh man, I lost you for a minute and everything's okay. But then they take you in the midst of this melee that's going on. And they turn around and they walk you right in the middle of it. And you think that you're with them and then they leave. They turn around, they went back the opposite way and they took a different way out. Didn't even say anything to you, just left you. And you're right in the middle of it, possibly become injured or you get jostled around and it's not a good thing. That's being forsaken. God will not leave you nor forsake you. He will guide you through. He offers an escape hold on to the strong hand of our sovereign Lord God, Heavenly Father. He will not leave nor forsake. Brothers and sisters, you are in my prayers, my going out and my coming in. And we are going into a new year. <clears throat> and I've seen and heard many I can't help but to be caught by this. It's kind of a, instead of praying the will of the Lord and things like, um, you know, and I, I caught people doing this thing for elections and they think that God takes a side. God only has one side and that's the side of righteousness and truth. So be cautious on the prayers for this new year coming up. Pray his will to be done and guidance in our steps through the new year coming. And remember this too, that Paul tells us as he wrote in the first letter to Timothy, remember that we are to pray for all those who are in position of authority, whether they are actual or self-proclaimed that uh, we are told that we are to pray for them. This is in his first letter to Timothy. His first letter to him. And 
Timothy, of course, being a young pastor. And chapter 2, Paul is writing to him, exhorting that he, in all things, that we are in prayer, intercessory prayer, um, supplication, and that we pray for these individuals who, whether they are, <laughs> pardon me, in actual authority or self-proclaimed, which, you know, that there are some that do that. And that we... that we humbly come before God and that we petition, we bring these as a petition to our sovereign Lord God. And remember, I've shared this with you before, is that we we come before him humbly. Don't come before God with your self-righteous arrogance and think that you're somebody and be demanding of the Lord God, the maker of all things made. You don't have that authority. Don't be arrogant, don't be rude, don't be obnoxious. You come before the Lord in humble adoration, in auspicious fear for God. You don't have to be afraid of him, but you have auspicious fear because you know what he's capable of, but you have faith and you believe that he won't. I fear the Lord because I know what he can do. I've seen what he can do. I believe in what he can do. I have seen in the sunrise and the sunset and in the might of the wind and thunder and lightning storms, I know what God is capable of. And I've seen some of the things that he does and allows to continue. But it isn't because he's this rambling powerful God and he's going to do it no matter. You have to understand that a lot of these things are because of the arrogance of mammon. But God is trying to allow us to learn. He's not going to force us. He's given us a choice. But as Paul is writing to Timothy in our humble prayers, intercessory prayers on behalf of others, that we come with thanks to the Lord and that we come to him for the sake of all men, all men and women. Remember too, don't get all jacked up about gender specifics here because in the old translations and in the old language, It wasn't gender separation. So much going on in the world now that you really need to be offended by that. Get over yourself, get over this, and be aware that when he's talking or when any author or any person is speaking that way, they're talking about everyone. But I will try to be more compassionate to that sensation and people want some things to be 
less gender specific. And I will try to remember that so you're not offended. But remember what I always say? If you seek offense, ye shall surely find offense. And if you look through the word of God, you will surely find offense there as well. It depends on what you're looking for. If you're seeking truth, knowledge, and wisdom, oh, you will find it. And remember what the word tells us about knowledge and wisdom? Seek wisdom like you would a fine treasure. Seek wisdom as you look to a beautiful woman. Things that are drawn or that draws our attention. You seek that knowledge and wisdom. It'll be found. It won't be offensive. It'll be there and available for you because God shares it. He does. He shared it with Solomon. He gifted that to Solomon and it was the one thing that Solomon asked for. He asked God and God told him. He said, you have favor with me and I will give you a gift. I'll give you a gift. Ask and it will be yours. He didn't ask for riches. He didn't ask for wealth. He asked for knowledge and wisdom of the Lord God Almighty. God gave him that. And in the day, Solomon was said to be the wisest man ever on this plane of existence. God will provide, and it's there if you simply ask. <laughs> Seek, and it will be found. Seek his truth, and it will be found. Seek to be offended, and it will be found. What you're looking for by your choice, it's the way God is. He provides us choices, opportunities to either grow or to close ourselves off and be shielded in a mantle of fear, doubt, self-degradation, self-pity, arrogance, self-worth, and that we blame, condemn, and point our fingers at everyone else. So you have a choice to make. But remember, too, that God provides a way out. If we're walking into that dark place, remember, God provides his streetlight. A lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. That's provided. All you have to do is ask. Brothers and sisters, be blessed this day. You're in my prayers. I'm going out and my coming in.